0: Hey everyone, it's me, and this is the Mental Me Podcast. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. Today, I'm here with Bridget from Handsome Girl Designs. I am so excited to have you today, Bridget. This We've been working on this behind the scenes for a while now, and it's finally all our work is coming to fruition. Would you like to say
1: hello? Hi, everyone. Um, I mean, great things take time, so I understand why it took us so long. <laughs> for sure. So
0: let's see. Why don't we start with introducing you, Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then I think we'll kind of start with just your personal story, your identity, your relationship to mental health, all of that, and then we can kind of transition into your work, which is How I Found You.
1: Yeah, awesome. Um, like you mentioned, my name is Bridget, but I feel like people better know me under the Monkeer, uh Handsome Girl Designs which is my platform on Instagram that I kind of started as a outlet for my own recovery in an eating disorder. I'm not somebody that kind of journals, so I started drawing and sharing my own work, and it kind of has blossomed since then to be a place that is exclusively inclusive I want it to be a area where anyone um, can come in and feel seen and welcomed. And it's kind of become, you know, more than just a passion project. It's definitely uh, shaping into more of a career for me. So.
0: Well, that's amazing that you can I mean, I just I love the idea of that is that you start it because it's from your heart and then it blossoms into something that touches other people's hearts and that you can actually use as a career and that you know that's everyone's dream is to you know love what you work and then you'll never work a day in your life yeah I think that's amazing for sure so do you want to talk about the backstory a little bit so you said eating disorder recovery um that's obviously you know a big deal and that's a huge chunk of the mental health space is people struggling with um their relationship with food and their body image and all of that so do you want to tell us a little bit about your story Yeah, for sure. I mean, to
1: kind of backtrack, I was born into a very artistic family. And that was something that was kind of present since essentially day one in my life. My mom's an illustrator. My dad taught her how to draw. Both my sisters are very talented. And um, I was blessed with having a seed of creativity kind of planted in me early on. But with that said, I mean, I was surrounded by greatness uh, when it came to art, where I felt very less than uh, growing up. And, you know, I wanted to be great. And I got this mentality of, like, why bother doing anything with art, you know, when everyone else is better than me? And I feel like that's a very important mentality to kind of uh, put a pin in at such a young age because I feel like. That is what also kind of set me up to being susceptible to an eating disorder. You know, I feel like I kind of wasn't very emotionally nurtured in the confidence area, not to any um, wrongdoing of my family, but it was just something that wasn't very present. So I felt a little bit uh, shaky in that area without knowing it. And when I was in about sixth grade, I remember being at a friend's party, you know, like one of those awesome parties. They invite the whole class. It's at a pizza parlor. It's so awesome. And everyone's like, wiling out, you know, kids and pizza. (laughs) And I distinctly remember going for a third slice of pizza. And one of the moms there who was chaperoning it patted me on the stomach and told me that she thought I had enough and this was probably such a flippant remark and she hasn't I'm sure has not thought about it since that incident but it was like the whole world melted around me and that moment at such a young age I can't even comprehend that I was able to be affected To that level. And that moment, everything changed for me. I started, you know, associating with my my body being chubby or, you know, I had baby fat. You're 10 years old. Of course you have those things. You know, you haven't really grown into yourself. But um I remember I started like lying about things like I ate or I have a stomach ulcer and like how many 10-year-olds have a stomach ulcer but like people just let me say these things and like never really second guessed it. So I went um a really long time all through school I had a few moments where my parents were kind of on to me but I was in the closet living this kind of tortured double life for so long. And then when I moved out of my parents' house after high school it was like game on like I don't have to hide this anymore I can do whatever I want essentially and that's when it got really bad for me Um, without having to live kind of like in the dark essentially if that makes sense of hiding it I just like dove deeper into it and it was a really bad spiral until I was about I would say like 26. And I finally hit a rock bottom with it and decided to get the help and really get my mindset right, you know, really heal myself. And during that process of taking it really seriously and doing the work, I was introduced to things like journaling and that kind of um, therapeutic outlet never really struck to me. um, But I started doodling, you know, I started doodling the things in my body that I did not like because when I was drawing it, I could change it. And, you know, when if I was drawing a self-portrait of myself, I could draw thinner arms and that kind of stuff. Um, And it oddly made me feel good. But then I started growing into a more accepting part of my recovery where I did not edit those things. You know, I started drawing them, being like, wow, that's a beautiful picture of myself. And it helped me see myself in a different light. Um, oddly, you know, putting myself into a, like a cartoon <laughs> is what it took. But um, it really, really helped me. And I kind of started branching out and drawing other people, you know, who whose bodies that I saw as beautiful, and who were struggling with the same thing of like, you know, when they looked at themselves, they didn't see the same beauty I saw. So I started capturing my friends or, you know, acquaintances or people at work and kind of, um, you know, obviously, I would ask them if I could draw them, but it kind of blossomed from that and started sharing it. And it really resonated with a lot of people. So that's kind of like and I started the babe series solely on that of trying to capture as many people as I can. And I don't know. It's just like kind of like been this nonstop amazing thing since that that moment.
0: That's incredible that you have taken it to this place of really creating a space for people who need it, like where you were years ago however many years ago that was but I just think like the babe series is what really caught my attention and we'll get into that in a second because that's just there are so many people out there that feel seen because of you like directly because of you and you have put into the media space somewhere for them to have a space that that didn't really make sense wording wise but I think what I'm trying to say is that you have taken it upon yourself to be the media that should be out there for people to have representation and for you to come from this journey from when you were 10 years old and having that just that one person say something and for it to turn the course of your entire life you can be that person and I think you are that person for so many other people in the opposite direction and I just that's why you're so inspiring to me is because I'm I've learned so much from your babe series about all kinds of beauty that i didn't even know existed like all these there's a lot of conditions you draw about that i never heard of and now mm-hmm. that i'm more aware of some of the things that people struggle with i'm like okay well if i see someone with that i know that maybe they need to hear that they're beautiful maybe they need to for me to say hey i love your smile or hey you look really great in that dress today it's really flattering on you or like something to lift them up because there's all everybody has some sort of inc- insecurity of course because you know it's just nature But for us to be able to lift each other up, I think is so powerful. And the fact that you can be that person is great.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got goosebumps (laughs) by you saying such kind words. Um, I hope, I hope I could be that, you know, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of uncelebrated beauty in this world. You know, I feel like in the past couple years, there has been this quote unquote body positive movement, right? But it's been so much around size. You know, when I when I see that, I feel like it really relates to how clothes are fitting you or, you know, how you look in a swimsuit and that kind of thing. And I feel like there's so many experiences and stories and struggles and triumphs that people go through that you know should be highlighted and celebrated
0: yeah i I agree with the the point about size, and I think as great as it is that we have this movement towards body inclusivity and things like that, I still think that it's not enough, considering we have so many decades of fat phobia being pushed into everybody's minds especially like it's just it's kind of mind-blowing to me that in America like we are one of the most obese countries in the world and yet we have a culture of literally having a hatred towards people simply because of their size and that just doesn't make any sense to me is that like first of all my size is none of your business as somebody else you know what I'm saying and like (laughs) I mean you know what I mean like yeah (laughs) yeah And second of all, like, just the fact that we're taught to see the flaws in each other rather than the beauty in each other. And I think that that's something your platform is, you know, changing. And I think that's fantastic that, you know, there's a place in the world for that on the internet. And so, yeah, I totally commend you. I think your work is amazing and I would love to hear more about it. So whatever inspires you, whatever, where wherever it came from in terms of like, Did you did this happen organically in terms of what was going on and then it sort of shaped like you said or did you have a moment where you were like this doesn't exist and I need to make it exist?
1: It was definitely more of a organic thing you know I'm not gonna lie that I started this at a very um, self-centered place you know this was solely started to kind of I only wanted to share my story and my journey uh, because I felt like that was what would liberate me. And I don't know what exactly, you know, made it click that I wanted to start this series, but there was one girl who I read the story about, you know, she was struggling with, Eating disorder and she was starting to recover. And then she ended up getting into a horrific accident and getting her leg amputated. So like it was once she was like getting to almost this uh place of feeling very accepting to her body from an eating disorder, she was thrown into a whole nother realm of, you know, self-image work that she had to do, you know, accepting that she was now a disabled person. And I was really impacted by that story because I I could not imagine what that could have felt like. You know, anytime I'm feeling strong in my recovery and I get like this little bitty speed bump, like maybe it's just somebody that says a a remark it throw it totally throws me off so i couldn't imagine like something so life changing as what occurred to her so i reached out and i asked if i could draw her and sh- she said yes and i did and when i was actually posting it on instagram i was putting a caption and then i just like decided to be like and this is part of my new series babes <laughs> you know i had zero plan but i when i was posting it i was like I would love to share more. And it kind of like came out of nowhere. And then I started kind of going through um, followers at the time. At the time when I started it, I had like a small following. It was like maybe about a thousand people, if that. So I started reaching out to some people who were heavily interacting with my work and seeing if I could draw them and Really, kind of curating a diverse group of strong, beautiful women to kind of start this out with. And then I kind of morphed from there to not being specific to uh, a certain body or person in drawing. I would, you know, research these conditions or disabilities or what have you um, and making it more. Anonymous. That's why all of my babe series, um, I don't put faces on them because I really want somebody to look at it and be able to see themselves when they're kind of immersing themselves in the piece. I
0: think that's, I totally agree that that's like really why it's so powerful about the art is because you can see yourself in it. And like that's, I think for me as like the viewer of the art, it's also, powerful, not just because I can see one of the babes and say, oh, she looks like me. And it's not just that. I think it's also I can see a babe that doesn't look like me, but I can imagine my face on that body and say that very well could be me. And I would still want people to think I'm beautiful because I am. And I would see this if it was another person, I would say they're beautiful. And so it gives this level of connection that's almost unifying in a way because these babes could be anybody it could be everybody yeah
1: for sure so
0: how in terms of like mental health how did you handle your eating disorder in the beginning in the middle in the end like i mean not end there's really no end to mental health but like you know when things kind of got better and i would say
1: maybe leveled off a little bit if it sounds yeah. if that sounds right to you yeah for sure I mean, there's definitely um, a lot of varying opinions on eating disorders and if you could be fully recovered or not. Personally, I think it's something that's an ongoing journey. Um, But I mean, in the beginning of my eating disorder, I think that I did not have any true understanding of like where this visceral... uh, actions were coming from you know I didn't really know what prompted like why why did I start lying you know I was like a, a truthful kid up until that point and then you know I just it just something uh, dark like a dark mark just like, got branded onto my brain and like that's I started following this like weird internal voice. And in the ED world, some people do follow the school of thought of like the voice of Ed, you know? Mm -hmm. And I found that was like kind of my, uh, higher power, you know, I gave up and like my eating disorder was like the thing that carried me on, you know, I, I felt like it was so controlling, and so valuable. Like I had this weird worship thing about it too, you know, and, and I felt like it made me a strong person given it did not. It was, that was a totally subjective feeling. You know, I felt like I was powerful because I could go days without eating real meals and that kind of stuff. It was like a really weird, abusive relationship with myself that I just couldn't quit and the times that you know my parents perked up and kind of thought something was wrong I don't think they fully understood the right way to go about it um so you know they put me in therapy and this and like what did I do because I didn't want to really break up with my eating disorders I learned how to manipulate the system you know I became an even better liar uh even better at you know playing the cards to make it look like I was wanting to heal and like look at me i'm so i'm in such a better place like i don't have to come to this you know s- s- support circle anymore Or, you know I, like i i switched off from restricting so people would see me eating but i in the back of it i was just doing you know i was making myself sick afterwards so while people were like, Oh, she's must be better. She's not, you know, restricting anymore. I was just shifting it to play the system as best as I could. And it was a long run. You know, I think what really made me hit bottom was a person I was deeply in love with. And that love would not carry on with my eating disorder and They were very vocal about that and they were ready to walk away. And, you know, when I was met with that, I decided I would rather die. You know, I I walked in front of cars on Santa Monica Boulevard in Los Angeles because I was like, you know, I want this person and I also want my eating disorder too. If I can't have either one, what's the point? Thankfully, I was fine. Um, you know, I didn't cause any traffic accidents. I did not uh, physically hurt myself. But it was enough to make me take a step back, being like, why? the? What? Like, what is going on with me? You know, I do want to live. I want to be healthy. I want to be a conscious partner, a conscious friend, a conscious – family member and somebody who's not living in the dark and somebody who's truthful and it was like this i don't know you know this moment of like the clouds parting and a light kind of you know shining down on me of this strength of being like this is time to to change because if you don't maybe next time it it won't turn out as as great you know so once I finally got on track with like being like, I want to lose this part of me, um, and I took the work seriously, it was a really cool and enlightening uh, journey. And I kind of went back and started seeing where I got rewired with my ways of thinking, my ways of treating other people. And It's still a work in progress. You know, every day I am kind of learning something new with the way of my thinking and like trying to find patterns and behaviors that don't serve me anymore. So that way, the way I act in the world is kind of growing towards the person I want to be. And that's always changing. So um, it's a nonstop, (laughs) it's a nonstop journey for sure. And it's pretty challenging, but I'm so thankful for it.
0: I couldn't have said it better in terms of like nonstop journey, in terms of rewiring your thinking. And that, a lot of people think that's just not possible. They think like, I mean, even I think this when I get really spiraling down into a dark place, it's like I am I was born the way I was born and I can't change it. But the thing is, if you want something bad enough for the right reasons, You can do the work and you can put in that time and put in that effort and eventually you can rewire your brain. A lot of times that does take therapy, that does take medication, that does take a support system and things like that. But we have the ability to make that choice of this is not serving me. I can do something about it.
1: Yeah. And I think a big part about that is, you know, taking an inventory and being honest about what you've done, you know, a lot of people don't want to admit that they were lying to people or they don't want to go back and make those kinds of amends either with themselves or other people that they might've hurt. Um, but I feel like that is crucial in growth of facing the truth and accepting it and also not being ashamed about it. You know, like I feel like people try to hide some of their, their darkest times because they might be shameful or embarrassed or they're like, I've come such a long way, that's not me anymore. But it, it's such a big part of everyone's story, you know? You shouldn't feel like you have to hide that part of you because, you know, it it has helped shape who you are. And I think that's worth celebrating. I think it's worth sharing with other people. So they can also feel safe and comfortable being vulnerable about sharing those dark moments too, because the more we share, you know, it starts to break the stigma of like, yes, our mental health struggles are closeted, but our mental health recovery also closeted, that makes no sense. You know, both of them should just be out in the open and accessible. So people can learn from other people's stories and journeys and be inspired by them. I totally agree.
0: I think, you know, I actually just posted about that on the Mental Me Podcast account was that there was this post and it was saying basically, I've made a lot of mistakes, but I was young and I forgive her. And I I kind of tweaked that post in my head because I'm thinking I've made a lot of mistakes, but that person which was, you know, a version of me. How am I trying to put this? Like, basically, I've made a lot of mistakes in the past. I'm making a lot of mistakes in the present. And I'll probably make a lot of mistakes in the future. But I don't judge myself for it because I'm doing the best that I can in the moment. And even if it was something that didn't serve me, even if it was something that I totally regret, I need to embrace that as my truth. And I need to let go of that judgment because judgment doesn't serve you judgment doesn't get you any progress judgment doesn't get you to break that habit rewire your thinking further yourself in therapy and things like that and like even with talking to my therapist she she said uh, like last week or the week before that she said during quarantine and going to my weekly sessions i've made so much progress if nothing else simply for the reason that i've started like speaking my truth and the whole truth Because there were things that I wouldn't even talk about, even though I consider myself the most open person ever. And now that I've kind of let it go, now I can work, like I've said it out loud, now I can work on the internal part, the part that I'd kept in the closet. I can try to, you know, metaphorically organize the closet now or revamp the closet with cute clothes instead of my clothes from the dark days. You know what I'm saying? Like we can do something about it when we live our truths.
1: Yeah. And it's so funny about your metaphor with the clothes in the closet, because I was talking with my sister about this of like kind of figuring out, um, you know, the things to lose. But then there's some stuff that I'm not sure if it's serving me anymore. But I also don't know, am I lying to myself telling me it's serving? And I kind of made it into this metaphor of like, when you're cleaning out your closet, and you pick up a pair of jeans, you literally have never worn. But You're like, for some reason, I can't get rid of them. I'm gonna wear them, so I'll just keep them. And you never wear them. But in that moment, it's so hard to admit to yourself you bought something, you spent money on it, but you're never going to use it, you know? And so accurate. Yeah. And it's like, you know, know you just gotta step up and be honest, being like, Bridget you're never going to fucking wear these jeans, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Just let them go. And maybe, maybe by letting it go, it will serve someone else. Just like clothes, you bring it to a donation, but maybe somebody will love those. Just let it, let it out. You know, it's not worth it anymore for you to kind of be harboring this stuff. And that's a really good point also. Yeah. I'm just like, wow, okay, I'm going to treat some more stuff like <laughs> like jeans, as silly as it is. But it's like, you know, it dumbed it down for me to be like, wow, okay, I can get on board with that. And even, even if we want to
0: deepen the metaphor just another step, what you said about when you donate the clothes and maybe it serves someone else, maybe living your truth and being honest with yourself can liberate another person to live their truth to or even just as a wake-up call a lot of people need that like you said with the person you were in love with they were ready to walk away maybe you needed that because you know someone had to tell you the truth and someone for me I for me my wake-up call was with my doctors when they were like girl you have bipolar disorder you are not wired the same way as neurotypical people and you can't treat yourself the same way because then you're going to be constantly self-destructive you're not going to get the help you need and you're not going to live a productive life and once I kind of embraced that and I was like no because for a while I was like no 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 I'm totally fine that's like I mean in our metaphor that's like wearing a dress that just doesn't fit every single day yeah yeah you're just forcing it to work (laughs) exactly (laughs) And I think like, I mean, we could take this metaphor so far <laughs> and I just think it's working so well, you know, it's making it yeah. accessible. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But, you know, the fact that we've come, both of us, to a point where we can even have that conversation with ourselves of, is this serving me? That shows, I mean, I'm proud of me. I'm proud of you. I think that is fantastic. And I, I would like to say for people who are out there who can't get there yet that that's something to work towards and there's no shame at all in not being able to do that yet like if you can't let go of that pair of jeans maybe there's a reason for that and say maybe I can't do it today but maybe in a month if I don't wear them again I can let go of them
1: yeah and I think it's just a matter of kind of setting yourself to be open to it you know you don't have to attach yourself to any outcome it doesn't have to be worked out a certain way it's just kind of Be open and receptive to hearing, seeing things that might affect you. Definitely. That's
0: something my therapist talks about all the time is willingness versus willfulness. Basically, if you have your hands and your mind and your soul and your heart and all of those things open to change and open to the possibilities, then that's when change can come. And that's when the life that you maybe dreamed of in terms of like... Maybe I dream that, you know, the pair of jeans will fit me one day, but if I'm not doing anything about it, they'll never fit. And so I have to be open-minded, open heart, open soul, all of those things. But if I'm going to be willful and just say, they'll never fit, even though I really, really want them to, and I'm just going to keep them because it's upsetting to me, but I need them in my life. And then you're just never going to get anywhere. You're never going to be honest with yourself. You're never going to make that progress.
1: Yeah, for sure. I love that.
0: Well, you know, I actually have another question for you before I forget. Um, I was wondering, why did you choose the word handsome? Because that is definitely, that struck me. Because handsome is usually associated with men. And you're doing a series on handsome babes for women, you know, all women included, because I love that you use, you know, transgender women, cisgender women, every type of woman that there could possibly be. But I'm curious why you chose that adjective.
1: Yeah. So, um, I wish I could take credit for it, but you know, I was getting my hair cut. <laughs> I was getting bangs actually. Um, bold and- move. I know. Um, And and I was actually in a clear headspace when I chose bangs. I should preface this. It was not like a meltdown bang moment. It was like I I (laughs) pulled. But um, I went to get them done. And I'm just talking with the guy doing my hair and telling him about like, oh, I want to start, you know, posting my drawings on Instagram and like doing all this stuff. And he's like, you should do it. And when he was done cutting my hair – he spun me around and he's like, what a handsome girl. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that <laughs> is it, man. Like that is me. You know, I don't feel like I'm a very feminine person by nature. I grew up as a tomboy. I feel like – um my looks, you wouldn't look at me and be like, wow, that she is super femme, but I embrace my femininity so deeply, you know? So there's definitely a little bit of a contrast there. And I think when he said that, it was like, it, it just resonated and I felt like that was me. So I literally, I drove home, bought a domain name site, registered my handle <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's how it happened.
0: Wow. That's and that's awesome. Just, that like
1: it just struck. Yeah. I wish I could remember the guy's name that cut my hair, but it was a Rudy's at Highland Park, so I will always go back there. <laughs>
0: awesome. Oh my gosh. That's cool. And I think I think it also sends a message is that like handsome felt authentic to you and all of the people that see themselves in the babes or all of the people that just enjoy your art should feel authentic to themselves. And I think that authenticity is something that's a big struggle for a lot of people, whether they have mental illness or mental health issues or not. I think authenticity is one of the biggest things in life you can strive for, but also one of the hardest things to achieve.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I
0: think you living your truth through your art is also super important to that and a really good example for that. I hope so. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, of course. So, have you told your story on your Instagram page or on in terms of like your brand? Have you really told your story or do you more make it anonymous about just the population you're serving in terms of like everyone?
1: Yeah, um I I sprinkle it in there a bit, but um I try to keep it a little more on the anonymous side. I think that makes it a little more inclusive and people can kind of fill in the gaps of something that relates to them a little more. But I, I guess it's like a little mixture of both, to be honest. You know, I'm not trying to hide from my story. I'm very open when people ask about it, but I don't want it to, just be about me. That's why I kind of uh, refrain from posting pictures of myself or like, you know, the classic I'm on an Instagram story talking to the camera kind of stuff. Um, I think it's awesome when people do that, but it's just not something that I feel like really resonates with the brand I'm trying to build.
0: Yeah. And I I really like that. And I think that's a strategy I'm kind of taking with the podcast is that I really started it, like we talked about before, uh, as more of a selfish reason is that I'm doing this for myself as part of my healing process. I'm doing this because I'm trying to tell my truth. And then the part of me was always saying, if just one person listens to this and it helps that one person, then it's all worth it. But really behind it all was, if it helps me, then it's all worth it too. And then there was a big change because I started interviewing other people instead of just sitting there talking to a mic alone in my room and posting things for nobody to listen to. And once I started talking to people and having these conversations like we're having right now, I realized it was about so much more than just me because it was, there's this liberating aspect to having these conversations because you're, you're, in this common space with someone where you're both living your truth, you're both telling your story, you're both talking about your struggles, your triumphs, your healing, your pain, all of that. And even if not a single person listens to this conversation, we still had this conversation together. And I think that's what's so what's so important and where I'm I've been able to create this space where it's not just about me anymore and where it's about me learning from other people. And maybe even other people learning from me when we have this conversation, but I've been able to create such a different space than I started out with. And so I understand why you're saying that you're trying to make it super inclusive because that's what I want too. I want it to be more about the people who want to see themselves in my work versus me pushing myself as a brand onto other people like I don't know I'm trying to explain handsome girl designs isn't a brand of Bridget right it's a brand of babes being beautiful and you know embracing inclusivity and all of that it's not like a personal brand in terms of your advertising yourself
1: yeah and I think it's a matter and the same goes for what you know what you're doing is we're both taking a step back and we're putting our message in the spotlight. You know, I I don't necessarily need to be famous at all. I don't really care about that. I don't need to personally influence somebody, but I want the message that I'm working on to influence people. And I think that's a lot more important to me um getting that out there getting that in the media putting that front and center rather than like here's a photo of me accepting my body you should too
0: <laughs> you yeah. know
1: that works for some people and i think that that they're strong at it and they really deeply impact people in a powerful and positive way doing that but that's just not that's just not me and you know kind of going back to being authentic i think that just resonates the best
0: oh my gosh exactly and I so so relate to that and that's part of the reason this podcast is anonymous and because I want it to be like anybody could be behind that mic anybody could be telling their story and really it's about fighting the stigma and I don't need the credit for fighting the stigma amen (laughs) thank you (laughs) um so let's talk about self-care a little bit what kind of self-care do you do do you wish you did any sort of thing like that yeah,
1: so uh for me a big part of my self-care is movement. Um I find I meditate better like while taking a walk or taking runs, something that you know gets my heart pumping a little bit and I make sure to do that for at least like 90 minutes to two hours every day. Not necessarily all, wow. of day, but broken up, um, that is kind of my goal. I strive to. And that really helps me. And plus, you know, I I do it outside, so I'm soaking up sunshine, which is like another form of self-care in my opinion. And that one is really important to me. Um, other than that, I feel like the other stuff kind of varies. I, I do therapy, which I think is a form of self-care. I, you know, do acupuncture. I make sure I eat right, those kind of things. But I'm a little less... I try not to be rigid in what my self-care regimen is necessarily because I did come from like years of being super routine rigid with uh, all of my ED stuff. So I try to be loose, but I – whatever I'm doing, I just try to make sure it is my truth in the moment so it's like, okay, if I don't feel like taking a walk, I'm going to – Accept that truth. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to force myself. You know, um, when I go to therapy, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be truthful and I'm going to be open. And I think that being the guiding light in anything I do is the 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 biggest part of self care. For me, wow, I
0: agree with that a hundred percent. Like you're saying, true to yourself, and you're staying true to what your body's telling you it needs. And that that's really the key to self-care. The key to self-care is not, oh, I'm gonna have a 10-step skincare routine and I'm gonna do this skincare routine every single day. And that's gonna be what is gonna that's what it's gonna look like when I'm hundred percent loving myself. And that's just not what it is, you know? And I think the fact first of all, the fact that you can get outside or moving for that long every day, that's really commendable. Wow. <laughs> um Oh my gosh, I can barely move for like five
1: minutes, but it's a goal My of mine. Dogs to work motivate on that. My dogs motivate me. I can't take all the motivation myself.
0: <laughs> oh, see, that's another thing is that I really want a pet. And I've talked about this with another guest, Maya from um, Gentler, the podcast. And uh-huh. we were talking about how financial self-care is putting your money behind your values. And for a lot of people, even though pets are super expensive, you value that companionship. You value that relationship with an animal. And That is part of your self-care, is taking care of a pet or having a pet or saving for a pet, whatever it is. That's part of your self-care. And so, you know, your animals, they're part of your practice. Yeah, for sure. Really cute tangent. I'm just imagining like a little fluffy ball running around. (laughs) Well, let's see. We talked about self-care. We talked about a lot of things. I think this episode took a really good turn in terms of like, we went down a lot of different paths we really picked through what your art means and why it's why it means that and why it's important and why you're doing what you're doing how you're doing it we talked about authenticity we talked about eating disorder recovery which is you know very at the heart of mental health um because that's you know a legitimate illness yeah and so Why don't we wrap up with some advice for the listeners? So maybe favorite coping skills or maybe advice on how to love yourself when you really, really just feel like you don't. Whatever is in your heart to speak out to other people right now, let me know.
1: I think uh, I got this piece of advice recently and it uh, hit home with me is to treat yourself as you would your best friend. You know, you are so kind and uplifting and empowering and telling her or him or them uh, that they are beautiful and rad and fuck yeah. Treat yourself like your own best friend too. I know it's hard sometimes, but you know, that kindness and strength that you reserve to give to others, you deserve that too. And I think it takes some practice if... It's something that you aren't uh, comfortable doing or it feels new to you, but promise that it is worth it if you put the time and energy into being kind and uplifting towards yourself.
0: Oh, that just made me think of that um, poster that you have, like a little bit of kindness goes a long way with the little wiener dog. (laughs) I love that one. I love it. And, you know, for anyone who hasn't seen it, definitely check out your Instagram. Um, And I just, I think kindness is such a big takeaway. And that's for, you know, almost anything, almost anyone. I would say kindness is a turning point, a big factor in change. But as long as you come away from this episode realizing, okay, I can be kinder to myself, then we've done something right.
1: Yeah.
0: Hell yeah. I love that. All right. Well, this was awesome. Thank you so much for talking to me. I feel like we could talk for forever, but, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, Maybe we could do another episode in the future if, you know, that so is what comes to be. But um, this was amazing. I love your art. I love you. Thank you for sharing your story with me and your advice. And this was awesome. Thank you. I was so honored to be a part of it. So I appreciate it. Well, it was great having you and everyone. This was Mental Me.